rejoice evermore. So if you believe that you are in the presence of God, then there should be fullness of your joy. Hallelujah. And so be free to express yourself. Amen. Amen. So for this whole month, we've been discussing as a church, faith in God, battling unbelief. And the uh, anchor text that we've been using for this month has been Hebrews 10, 20 to 23. Hebrews 10, 20 to 23. And even 24, I suppose we can add that. So actually, well, if you can pull it up for me, Hebrews 10, uh, 23. Okay, well, actually, let's go from, let's go from 20 to give it completion. Okay, so by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's keep going. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen. So this is the New King James Version. There's another version that sometimes I like to, it just breaks the English down a little bit easier, the New Living Translation. So those who have the Bible app, you can just click NLT, and I'll read, I have it here. It says, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen. So, you know, this first beginning part, you know, the curtain had been drawn. Now, I was mulling that over um, a few days ago, even, you know, with the uh, first two texts that we read about, uh, you know, feeling free coming into the presence of God. And so I was uh, thinking over it, and the Holy Spirit was just drawing some analogies for me, which I'm going to share, and hopefully we'll also be able to understand this a little better. Um, so... Growing up in Ghana, and most of, some of us who have grown up in Ghana, sometimes you go live with relatives, not your parents. Um, and I lived with, you know, some close relatives uh, uh, for uh, about four years, I should say. And during that time, I never entered the bedroom of the mom and dad. You'd stand at the door, you'll knock. And someone will come, okay, you speak, and then they'll go back. Till this day, I don't know how the bedroom looks like. <laughs> Cut to, you come now, and I have my own children. 
Jonathan doesn't care if it's 2 a.m. He will budge and he won't even knock, just budge and mommy, I'm here. Sometimes he'll come, okay, I need to poop and use your bathroom because he is in his father's house. And so the Holy Spirit was drawing this analogy to me that now, before Jesus came, it was the scene where there was a select few who would go into the Holy of Holies after they had prepared and consecrated themselves. And then Jesus came and then tore open the veil so that now it doesn't matter if it's 2 a.m., it doesn't matter if it's 11 p.m., it doesn't matter if it's 5 a.m., you can just barge into the Holy of Holies and just say, God, here I am, you have to hear me. So this is a revelation and I'm hoping that as we are discussing the word of God today that you will also get that you don't have to go special, you don't have to do anything, that you can just enter the Holy of Holies because Jesus has torn the veil. So if you are able to barge into your parents, you know, uh, bedrooms, same thing. You can just barge in to the presence of God because now you've been qualified through Jesus. Jesus Christ. Shout a big amen. amen. So as we've been reading and uh, discussing this past w- month, you know, um, three weeks ago, uh, Elder Nathan discussed, you know, what is faith, you know, kind of going into the fundamentals a bit on what is faith. And then um, last week, um, uh, Elder Norte discussed, you know, holding on to your faith, being steadfast in your faith. And today we are going to discuss the other portion of that month theme. You know, it says faith in God, battling unbelief. So this morning, that's what we are going to be touching on: unbelief, battling unbelief. And you know, taking from our, you know, our brother Kobe, you know, when he had discussed the relentless Christian. As I was mulling this over, now it's like you know. If you are to battle unbelief, then you have to have relentless faith. Oh, can you say that with me? Relentless faith. Relentless faith. Amen. So what is unbelief? You know, it's, you know, unbelief is quite simple. You know, skepticism, doubt, the absence of faith. And then from, if we all remember, uh, when Kobe talked, he gave us some examples of what being relentless is, you know, being determined, uh, you know, unflinching, unyielding, persevering, you know, being intractable, tenacious, being, you know, rooted and grounded, being stubborn almost. And so to be able to battle unbelief, you have to have stubborn faith. Amen. So unbelief, you know, sometimes if we think unbelief, it's not just, you know, not believing that Jesus is Lord, you know. Unbelief really is when you be, you're not believing some, uh, what the word of God has said about a situation, you know. Because as Christians, the basic premise that we are Christians is belief. We believe. That's why we are called believers. You know? So we believe Jesus is Lord. We believe Jesus was raised from the dead. No, we believe that he's coming again. But then sometimes situations in life can get you so consumed in the details that you 
you start to develop unbelief. Where you do, you start to doubt what the word of God has said. So when we look at Mark 9, Mark 9, 23 to 24, you know, as this man whose son was being tormented, you know, by evil spirits. And so, you know, he had um, presented the kid to Jesus and then, you know, he said, uh, Jesus said, do you want him to be healed? And then he says, if you are willing. And then, so I read, you know, Mark 9, you know, says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And so immediately Jesus said this, the father of the child cried out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So God, has, uh, God wants us to live in a realm of possibility through Jesus Christ. All things are possible for them who believe. So I pray for you this morning that the Lord will help your unbelief. Amen. So let's jump right into the main text that we're going to be using. So if you guys could pull it up for me. Luke 23, I mean Luke 22 verses 31. Luke chapter 22, verse number 31. I'll read. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that, you, that he may sift you as wheat. Let's go to the next one. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, Strengthen your brethren. So let me give us a little bit context to this. So this is a conversation that took place uh, before Jesus got arrested and before his crucifixion. And if we go even to verse number 33, Peter replies, I will go to prison with you, Jesus. You know, and then Jesus, the famous uh, reply, if we can do Luke 22, verses 34, then Jesus replied, Luke, and said, before the cock crows three times, you would have denied me. So this is, you know, the context behind this conversation. So when Jesus started his ministry, we all know he went around and then uh, recruiting, as it were, his disciples. He told them, you know, leave your fishing. Come with me. I will make you fishers of men. So they left their livelihoods. They left, you know, their employments, a way that they had, you know, to take care of their families. And when they joined with Jesus, they had expectations, you know, of the promises that Jesus had made to them, you know, that they would inherit, that they would have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And, you know, if you are Peter, you have I've seen Jesus perform countless miracles. You know, he has healed the sick. He has raised the dead. He has fed thousands upon thousands. Evil spirits have been cast out. You know, various healings has occurred. You've listened to sermons that Jesus has preached about inheriting the kingdom of God and what all the promises and the benefits are. You know, earlier even in this same Luke 22, the disciples were even arguing who, had, who was going to have the bigger position in the kingdom of God. You know, who would 
have, you know, the bigger post, as you know, as you know, Africans will say. So they had great expectations. They didn't come because they were going to live the poor life. They thought, you know, Jesus had the power to make them, you know, big people, to make them, you know, live large. And then, so this conversation that Jesus is having with Peter is totally unexpected. You know, like you're just going to say, you know, Satan has asked that he will sift you like wheat. You know, when he's thinking as Jesus is preaching that, you know, the kingdom of God is coming, you know, we're about to make it big, we're about to, you know, become, you know, the right hand of, you know, the king of the universe. So, what is this sifting that Satan has asked to do to Peter? So, it's the process, you know, if we've seen wheat or corn, well, it's mainly wheat, but, you know, we are not in the Midwest, we don't see wheat growing around. But it's separating the wheat, the actual wheat from the covering, the, the chaff. And it involves, you know, they toss the wheat in like air so that the chaff separates and then the wind blows the chaff away and then the wheat is left behind. So it's not a gentle process. You know, you don't just, you know, baby the wheat to, to sift it. It's aggressive because you have to separate, you know, the, the good versus the bad. So now, let's paraphrase this conversation. That Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to toss you around or to turn your life upside down. But that's not what he signed up for, you know? When he left everything to follow Jesus, he didn't come with the expectation that his life was going to be turned upside down. Same in our case as Christians. We come and we hear the promises of God, you know, be the, you shall be the first and not the last, and all of that. So we have certain expectations as children of God when we come in. And none of them involves going through trials or going through a testing of faith. As Christians, you know, we try to live the righteous life, we shun sin, we follow the commands, you know, and so we have certain expectations based on the promises of God. We don't ever anticipate the tossing, the sifting, that comes along the way. But see, the Bible has said in Psalm 34, 19, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Shout a big hallelujah. So this is a promise that you can take to the bank. You can hold on to this promise because it says, you know, although many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers, it didn't say half of it. It didn't say sometimes he delivers, but it says the Lord delivers them from them all or from them. Amen. Amen. And so the sifting will come, but the Lord will deliver you every single time. And so this is a promise that you can hold on to. You know, James 1, 2 to 3, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So sifting comes not to destroy, but to remove the chaff so that the husk, the impurities you leave behind, 
the useful substance. So that at the end of it, and we see, you know, as we read further into the Bible, you know, Peter now became a man who could stand, a man of boldness, because he was a very cowardly person. But after this, he could stand and preach, deliver the word, and thousands would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So in this, you greatly rejoice. For now, a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found praiseworthy and, and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus. This is 1 Peter 1.7. So when you go through various trials, the genuineness of faith, of your faith being more precious than gold, will be tested by fire, but then it will be found praiseworthy to honor and glorify God. Amen. Amen. So the process is difficult, you know? Again, let's think on Peter. We all know Peter. Peter was very enthusiastic. He was the person who would jump, you know, with all the answers, you know, and God revealed certain things through Peter. We can see, you know, where uh, Peter, again, Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And then Peter quickly says, you are the son of God. And then Jesus says, you know, the flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you. So Peter was, I would say, the most enthusiastic of the disciples. You know, he even, you know, walked on water with Jesus. You know, and it's the same Peter that Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. So imagine the same Peter denies Jesus. And then when we look at this same Luke 22, verse number 61, it says that when he denied Jesus, Jesus actually turned and looked at him. And then imagine, you've made all these declarations, you've walked on water with Jesus, and then you deny him just as he said you would. So imagine if you were in this position. So not only was Jesus the ticket to greatness or grandeur, the promise of, you know, you know, of which caused them to abandon their livelihoods, you know, but then he was arrested on top of it and killed in the most humiliating way. So think about Peter and disciples going back to their hometowns after they've left everything behind to follow Jesus with the expectation that they were going to be, you know, stewards of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus is arrested. He didn't be, wasn't set free. He was convicted. You know, he wasn't acquitted. Then he gets killed in the most humiliating possible. When we look at pictures of Jesus on the cross, we see he had a loincloth. No, he was stuck naked. So imagine your Peter going back to your wife and children at home, knowing that, you know, this is what has happened. Like, you, you think you are finished, you know? Like you've been deceived. Like, how are you going to show your face in public? You've been abandoned, you know? And like, all hope is lost. 
Same thing if we bring it to our lives. You know, sometimes you play on a certain decision and you get the go-ahead from the Holy Spirit. Then you take that go-ahead and it crashes and it burns. You know, sometimes you, you sow a seed, you know, when we're in church, like we're sowing seeds and you're believing God for something and you sow a seed and then you go on and lose your job. You know, something you're holding on to faith, you know, believing God for something, and it seems like, yeah, it is taking too long, that it's not working. Sometimes, you know, you might be going through some form of persecution at work because you are the Christian and you don't want to follow, you know, the crooked ways that you're doing. Or just in general, life is not going as you expected because you are a child of God who is following his commands. So, you know, at that point, Peter and for sure the other disciples are feeling like, you know, we're finished. Our hands, our hands are empty. As they say in tree, you know, Odin says, if I'm like, you know, you've kind of slipped and then fallen on your hand. But then the Bible says, and again, something we can hold on to, that the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut short. So you hold on to the word of God because he who has promised, he is faithful, amen. So this morning, if you're hearing, I just want you to, you know, let's build up our faith together. Just say this after me, my expectations, oh, say like you mean it, my expectations, will not be cut short. Amen, amen, amen. See, God can be trusted at his word. Amen. So when this happens, the Bible says, you know, Peter ran away crying in tears. You know, because again, build up of emotion. He ran away crying in tears. And so sometimes that's what it might feel like, that your emotions get so overwhelming that, you know, sometimes you feel like God is not there. But then we are not alone. You are not alone. Amen? So sometimes when it feels like, you know, everything is just hopeless, you're like, no, it's not working. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I believed. You know, I trusted God to do this and then he's not doing it. And it feels like all hope is lost. But the word of God tells us otherwise. Hallelujah. So if you're here and you're feeling like this, you are not alone. Amen. So, media people, if you could please put up Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3 for me. Isaiah 43. Verse number one to three. And then I want us to all read it together as a church. Isaiah 43, verses one to three. Okay. So, but now, thus says the Lord. And so when you see all anything, you put your name there. Amen. It's just all exercise of faith that we are doing. See, but now, thus says the Lord, who created you? Oh, Rekwa. And he who formed you? Oh, Rekwa. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by 
your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Next verse. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. So when we go back to you know, Isaiah 43.1, the key word there is when. You know, and sometimes, well, act, verse 2 actually, sorry. Let's look at that. So, uh-huh. so the key word there is when. Not if, not maybe, not sometimes, but when. Because that's why I've always had a pet peeve with prosperity preachers. Just because we, they present a false expectation of Christianity. We have, you know, the Bible has said, we will, you know, excel, we have been marked, you know, we will be the head and not the tail. But then also, there is this when you pass through the waters. So, you know, and you are going through the fires. But the assurance of the Lord is that when you walk through the fire, that you are not walking there alone, but that he is there with you. So when you are going through the fire and you are going through the water, you don't focus on the fire. You don't focus on what you are going through because you know that you are going through. And so look at your neighbor for me, you know, again, I like for us to ginger ourselves this morning and just tell your neighbor, I am going through. Oh, say like you mean it, I am going through. Oh, I am going through. See, I am not staying in the fire. I am not drowning in the water, but I am going through. See, I am not staying where the fire is scorching. You know, the waters might be drowning, but I am not staying there. Finished. You are not done. He's not 
Jesus. So focus on God. Keep pushing because you are passing through. Shout a big amen. See, it will be difficult, but you take a step at a time. You know, it will not be easy, but you can't afford to stand there. Because if you stand there, then the fire will consume you. Because if you stand there, then the water will drown you. But what do you do? You take a step forward. It might be, you know, the only thing you can do is just one step a day. But as long as you are moving forward, amen. So studies have shown, you know, you know the psychologists and everything, They've done studies that have shown that when people suffer depression, something that helps is taking a walk. And it wasn't the fact that it was the fresh air, but it was the fact that they were moving, taking one step moving, taking one step, moving forward. So this morning, there is a way forward with Jesus. Amen. See, wherever you are, you are not stuck. You are coming out. Shout a big hallelujah. So just keep moving forward with God. Don't look back. You know, don't look back. Because sometimes, you know, when the trials come, like, you know, before things were so good. And now look at me now. Then we start to look back. But you can't look back. Because we all know what happened with Lord's wife. You know, Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. You shall not... Shall you not know it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert places. So sometimes disappointment comes because you're expecting God to do the miracle like how he did the last time. But then he is doing a new thing. You know, he is the God of creation so he can create multiple ways to redeem you. How how would Paul and Silas in prison be delivered because of praise? You know, it makes no sense. You you think Jesus or God will cause, you know, armies to come and, you know, fight. But how... Is it that it was through praise that their deliverance came? Because sometimes, you know, you sit and you're like, you know, God should have done it this way, but then he didn't do it this way because we are thinking for God. But this morning, he's given us his word that he is doing a new thing. So for you, deliverance can come in diverse ways, not how you planned it. But he is doing a new thing. So I don't know, you know which manner of fire it is that you are going through. Because it can take various forms. You know, the devil is very crafty. You see, it could be from your children. could be from your marriage. Even childbirth. Even job loss. Family difficulty. Trouble at work. Trouble with your health. Trouble with finances. Diverse difficulties. But we are assured in the word of God. God in Psalm 125 verses 1 to 2. It says those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved which but abides forever. The mountains surround Jerusalem for the Lord, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time and forever. 
So when you get to that point, when you are starting to doubt the word of God, you are starting to entertain unbelief because of things that you are going through, which happens, you know? Believe in God's love. Romans 8, 20, 38, 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So nothing, because sometimes we feel like God is being cruel. That's why we are going through the trials that we are going through. But we have learned that the testing of your faith produces patience. That as your faith goes through that fire, it comes out refined as gold. So when you're going through the fire, know that God loves you. Amen. And that he is not doing this to be mean, but that he is doing this to refine you and to remove the chaff. Know God's will. That's point number two. How do you know God's will? By reading his word. Romans 10, 17 says, Now faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. During difficult times, repeating God's promises, holding steadfast, you know, one day at a time. Sometimes all you can hold on is just one memory verse. That's it. You know, and you have to keep reminding yourself over and over and over and over and over. But you can only do that if you know the word. Knowing the word, knowing God's will through his word. Then the next point, when you're battling unbelief, rejecting fear. See, fear is one of the biggest tools that this, the devil will use to attack the children of God. Philippians 4, 6, you know, as other Sunday school people will tell you, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Faith cancels fear. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love of a sound mind because fear also you know starts to attack your mind and then you start mulling over what this eventuality this eventuality that eventuality this and so that is why the word of God is saying that you have not been given a spirit of fear but of power and so it's not like you know sometimes we say like oh you said and then you feel better there's been times where I've had to repeat this verse the whole day just because if I don't, then you start to go and you're thinking this and you're thinking that. But as long as you have the word of God that you can hold on to. 
So, you know, Mark 5.36, we touched on it earlier. It says, as soon as, you know, Jesus heard the word that was spoken. This is, um, you know, the man with the son. You know, he says, only if you believe. And then again, in the story of Peter. Peter sees Jesus walking on water. Says, Lord, is that you? He says, yes. Jesus invites Peter to walk. And Peter starts walking on water. And he was walking until he started to see the wind. If he had only focused on Jesus, he would have kept walking. But then he started to see what was around him. So fear is the direct opposite of our faith. Mark 4.37, you know, we can read it on our own. But then was when Jesus had said, uh, when the winds were tossing, and Jesus said, how come you have no faith? Because they were afraid. So fear, you know, it's like the premise of having no faith is entertaining fear. So it's not just like, oh, you get afraid, but then you give room to fear. You ruminate on the fear. You dissect it. You can, you know, describe. When you entertain it, you give the fear a chair to sit on, a couch to sit on. Give it a remote to turn the channels. That is when you are operating in unbelief. So the fear will come, but then when it comes, you quickly rebuke it with the word of God. And so, you know, it's not like you never get afraid. It'll come, but then you have the arsenal, which is the word of God, to rebuke the fear. Amen. So, as I bring my message to a close this morning, my prayer for you this morning is if you are entertaining unbelief, if you have come to the point where the fire is consuming you, the waters are drowning you, hold on to the word of God. Regardless of what might be going on, see, faith is based not on what we are experiencing, but is based on the promises and the instructions of the one who is reliable. For the Bible has said that, you know, he is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should boast. But if he has said it, then he will do it. No, that is it. Point blank. It might look like it's taking too long. Or Jesus, I wanted it this way. You know, I wanted a car, specifically a white one. Jesus gave me a cream car. He didn't do it like how I wanted it. But no, you know, as he has said it, he will do it. You know, and sometimes in the forefront is looking at, no, this is not working out. You know, this is the fire that's going to kill me. But as the songwriter said, as we sang, even when I don't see it, you are working. You know, Romans 8.28 has said that we know that all things will work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So just this, just, you know, this temporary fire or this temporary sifting or this temporary waters, you know, it will come to an end, 
But then when it does, you will be the better for it because now your faith would have been refined. Amen. So as we, you know, as we are about to enter into a time of prayer this morning, my prayer is that we will now come against unbelief with our arsenal and our tools, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. Shall we be on our feet even as we enter into a time of prayer? You are my strength. Strength like no other. Strength like no other. 